So as we walk through this, whenever we intro into a book, uh, we're gonna walk through who's the author, uh, the audience, where is the author writing this from, what are the main things the author's trying to communicate uh, to their audience. And these are all questions, you guys, uh, that we should be asking when we go into God's word. Okay, because a lot of times I see us go into God's word and, uh, and even in our devotional time and we just like randomly, we randomly go somewhere, right? It's like, okay, God, I'm gonna spend some time with you today. Second Kings 22, that's where we're at. And I'll tell you what, you just start off in Second Kings 22, you're gonna be messed up. There's gonna be some stuff you're gonna read and you're gonna go, I don't know what to do with that. Um, right, but, but, and, so, and so we're kind of like, God, I just need you to deliver. I've got some time. There we go. This is where I'm gonna be. This is where you're guiding me and directing me. And we go into God's word and, and we just don't even know the setting. We don't know what's being communicated. And, and oftentimes what it creates is, is, a, is an actual greater disconnect between us and God. We walk away more confused. Um, and, and oftentimes we read things and, and we'll go, well, I don't like that. I don't agree with that. But you don't understand the context of it. And so you guys, that's why we're so passionate about you understanding and growing in your knowledge of scripture. And that's why we have discipleship, which is teaching you how to follow Jesus. If you've never been discipled, I would encourage you to sign up for that. Uh, we have School of Bible, which is incredible and an opportunity to grow in your understanding of scripture because every time you open God's word, it's so important that you know what's happening. And, 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 and that's when it really comes alive. That's when you understand and know that this isn't just something that was great for people hundreds of years ago. It's timeless, it was alive then, it's alive now, and it's relevant for me in my life. And guys, as we go through 1 Peter, man, it's gonna, there's, there's gonna be stuff in the next few weeks that really, really hit, that really connect to where we're at and what we're going through. So let's read 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, and, uh, and then we'll start to unpack this. It says this, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. Now, first thing is what? Who's the author? Okay, well, he makes that easy, doesn't he? He says his name right there. First line, first word, Peter. Okay, so we have Peter is the author here. Um, and this is the Peter that, that we read about in scripture. This is the Peter that walked on water. This is the Peter uh, that uh, denied Jesus three uh, times. This was the Peter that was in Jesus's inner circle of friends. He was one of those three people that Jesus really brought in. Uh, and, so, and so this is him. And, and he, he begins by saying who he is. And he says, as an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, what he's saying by, 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 by stating his title is, this is written under the authority of God. And so the words you're going to read, you need to read them as the words of God, not from Peter. So there's authority with this title. There's, there's representation that this is God's words to them. So he's reminding them of that as he introduces this topic. Now, where is he writing this from? Where's Peter writing this from uh, as, as, as we look at this? Well, in 1 Peter chapter 5, uh, verse 13, we read this. It says, she who is at Babylon 
who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings, and so does Mark, my son. And so when you read that, it's, it's, it's kind of like our, our natural inclination to go, okay, well, he's in Babylon. Um, the problem with that is, is most uh, historians, most theologians agree uh, that Peter was not in Babylon when he uh, wrote this. Be- simply because Babylon at this point in time, when we think of that great ancient city, that, that, that great world power back in the Old Testament. At this point in time in the first century, it's, it, it was very small and uh, in, in, in this very small, obscure place. Uh, it was mostly deserted. There's, there's no um, evidence that Peter even ever was there or Mark for that matter. Um, and so what we see throughout even scripture and then from writers during this time period is Babylon had become this symbolic name for Rome used by writers who especially wish to avoid any trouble with Rome. Okay, so, so we see him saying this. Um, and, and part of also the reason behind this is there's historical evidence that Peter uh, was in Rome the last decade of his uh, life. And so uh, what we believe from piecing together the Bible and, and, and history uh, in these incredible, reliable sources is that he wrote this book around 63 AD, right before 64 AD. And why is that significant? You're like, what's going on? 64 AD is when there was the great fire in Rome, and that is when Nero was the emperor. And right after that fire, which many believe, many think that Nero actually started, but then he placed all of the blame on Christians. And we see an absolute slaughter and massacre of Christians. That is, it's, uh, it's beyond words. It's awful. And that carries on from 64 AD to 68 AD. And we see Paul is executed and Peter in around 67 AD, Peter is crucified upside down. And, and so most believe that he wrote this right before that persecution just took over the known world towards Christians. And so that's kind of when he wrote this. Now, who is he writing to? Who's he writing to? Who's the audience here? Well, it says what? To those who are elect exiles of the dispersion. Now, this represents this. This is a compact Greek phrase, and it literally says to chosen sojourners of the dispersion, okay? So, so this term, exile, what does that always refer to when we see it being used? It always refers to a temporary resident in a foreign place, okay? And, and maybe in your translation, you read, it, it may say alien, it may say um, sojourner, okay? Those are different ways that they've translated uh, that. And, and, and we see uh, throughout scripture, Abraham actually called himself an alien and sojourner among uh, the Hittites. It's always funny when I say a word like alien, all the kids go, they start paying attention again. Oh, did he say alien? Dad, I didn't know. It's in the Bible. Yes, keep listening. Um, <laughs> And so he says in Genesis chapter 23, verse four, I am a sojourner and foreigner among you. Then we see in Hebrews chapter 11, when it, when it talks about the heroes of the faith, and we see all the way from uh, Abel to Abraham, uh, we see them described as this. In Hebrews eleven thirteen. it talks about them. It says, these who all died in faith, not having received the things promised, 
but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Okay, now, now, now this is important, right? Now, why, why were those great examples? Why is Hebrews chapter 11, what, why were they considered exiles on earth? Because they didn't view earth as their permanent home. Okay, earth wasn't their primary residence. Heaven was, right? And, and, and so when we see this word, uh, the, the elect exiles, uh, this word elect in the New Testament, it always refers to, to God's chosen, uh, to, well, it refers to people chosen by God to be his people. Okay, and, and so... When we look at this, we go, man, these, these are elected exiles and, 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 and they're elected not uh, in this earthly sense here uh, because many of the people that, that he's writing to in these cities, they had grown up there. They had lived there. So they're not all just all of a sudden there and they weren't there before, but these are people uh, who he's speaking to from a spiritual sense who once again, are, are, are called to acknowledge that where they're at is not their permanent home, it's a temporary home. If you're a Jesus follower, this is not your permanent home. This is temporary. In fact, we, we read Philippians chapter three, verse 20, uh, where it says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so, so these are, are people who spiritually um, are called to receive this letter and to understand and know that where they're placed, where they're at, they've been, they've been selected by God and, and they've been placed there. But as they're placed there, the temptation is for them to go, this is it, this is my home. And he's like, no, this is not your spiritual home. This is temporary residence. And so this, this term, dispersion, that was a term uh, that, that Greek-speaking Jews would use to refer to Jewish people who were scattered throughout uh, the known world. And, and here, though, we see it being referred to Christians as a whole, right? So, so it's not only uh, Jewish Christians that he's speaking to here, um, and, and we know that, and, and I'll read a few of the verses in a minute that point to that, but at this point in time, it's been 30 years since Pentecost, when that explosion of the gospel, when the Holy Spirit came on the scene and indwelt people, and all these people from these different uh, regions get saved, and they take the gospel and they spread it to all the known parts of the world, and it's been 30 years since then. So these churches that they're going to, uh, churches that, that are, are, I mean, powerhouse churches, these churches are made up of all kinds of people, all kinds of people that have received Jesus uh, as their Lord and Savior, Gentiles and Jews uh, alike. And, but we see this language that he's using as he describes the church, this, this, this new covenant people, and it's very familiar, and the terms we see um, are terms that were used in the Old Testament to uh, demonstrate and show that the Jews were the people of God. Now, a couple other of the passages here that help us understand the backgrounds of some of these people, that they weren't all just these, uh, you know, Jewish-raised uh, individuals, is in 1 Peter chapter 1, 18. Uh, this is how he talks uh, to the audience here. He says this, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver and gold. And then he says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 10, 
Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Okay, this isn't how you would speak to Jewish individuals. Okay, this is not normal how you would talk if it, if it was an exclusive Jewish audience. And then he says this to kind of seal the deal in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. Okay, He says, For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. Okay, some of you went, huh? What? What are we talking about in the next few weeks? Okay, so the people that they're around are shocked and surprised that they're not joining with them anymore in these activities. Someone that was Jewish that grew up in uh, the the Jewish uh, world and followed the moral standards of first century Judaism, they would not be doing those things. Okay, now where where are the cities here? We we read all these different cities. This is all throughout Asia Minor, what is modern day uh, Turkey. And we see all of these major churches um, along this route being reached. And as uh, a church would, would be delivered this letter, they would make copies of that letter and then deliver it to other smaller neighboring churches in other towns and cities nearby. And so what is he trying to communicate to these uh, individuals all throughout the known world trying to follow Jesus in these churches? What is he communicating? Well, the heart of the message here that we're gonna look at in 1 Peter is First Peter is written to encourage the readers to grow in their trust and obedience in God, especially when they suffer, especially when they go through a trying season, especially when things are working against them. In fact, probably the passage that, man, just is, is so powerful that stands out when we think about what, we're gonna be looking at in 1 Peter. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 19, this is what it says. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. I want you to hear that one more time. 1 Peter 4, 19. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will Oh, we don't like that, do we? No. In fact, I want to just kind of cross that out. Erase that. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. You see, guys, we don't talk about this. We just don't. In fact, we try to avoid it in a lot of circles and a lot of churches. We, we just want to highlight how God wants to fulfill your desires, how he wants to make you wealthy, how he wants to make you successful, how he wants to, to heal you, uh, and, and, and all of these things. And, and, and we hear all of, all of these messages, and a lot of us in this room, we're bitter, we're discouraged, we're upset, or we're still angry angry because of what other people have said to us in the name of God, and it hasn't happened. It hasn't happened. So we're wounded. Some of you are wounded to the point where as I'm talking, you're looking for ways that you cannot agree with me. You're like, 
just staring at me. And that's okay. That's great. I was a skeptic too. Um, and, and, and you know what? I, I was wounded from people just saying things to me on behalf of God. And, and, and it affected me. It affected my view of God. It affected my relationship with him. It caused doubts. It, it created conflict in me. Um, and because guess what? As I was hearing all of these things, how, 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 all of, how, how he wants to just like rescue me out of all of these things, uh, you guys, what was so tough is I wasn't getting rescued. Right, like, like the things that they're saying, oh, this is gonna go away, this is gonna happen, you don't have to worry about that, you just follow Jesus. I'm like, I am, I am. And so how are you left? You're discouraged, you're mad, you're upset. And you turn, you turn from him. You distance yourself from him because it hasn't worked out. Because we've never opened the door that just maybe, just maybe, God's will is actually involved in my difficult circumstances. Just maybe. We gotta be careful what we say to people, especially when you're saying on behalf of God. And, and, and we're not, you know, it's not that God can't work, God can't speak through somebody, he totally can, but we just have to be careful. Okay, I had someone tell me one time, hey, God's about to do a big real estate transaction with you. And I went, so I went home, I said, honey, Guess what? Let's go buy. We're like God's about to open the door. Like we should go look to buy like real estate. I was just told that, and she goes, "Nope, no, we're not." <laughs> I can tell you, matter of fact, we're not. And I went, "Okay, honey, I received that. I received that. <laughs> I'll test it. We test the spirit." <laughs> For some of us, we can laugh. For some of us, we're like, "No, nah, I've seen that. I felt that." But we need to know that that's in there, you guys. It's so important that we know that that's in there. And this is gonna be a huge part of this book because we gotta ask ourselves, if we're gonna follow Jesus, we're gonna go all in. How do I respond? How do I respond when family's not for me? How do I respond when they're against me? How do I respond when my spouse isn't for me or against me in this? How do I respond when my coworkers aren't for me, they're against me? When my boss, when it's gonna put me up against this other person, uh, maybe my neighbors, uh, and, and all of these situations, my roommate, my, uh, my teammate, all these things that if you're gonna follow him, there's gonna be some opposition to it. Jesus didn't say, hey, let's go hang out together. He said, what? Pick up your cross and follow me. Well, that doesn't sound great, <laughs> right? That's tough, it, it, but, but he's promising. And what we're gonna look at here is that he's at work. And that even in these difficult circumstances, his perfect, good, and loving will is being accomplished. If we'll follow him, if we'll commit to that in these uh, seasons. And so what do we see in verse two when he talks about this? He says, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. So he says, according to the foreknowledge of God. Okay, so you are literally set aside. You are these uh, elected individuals set aside to be exiles here uh, in whatever circle, in whatever world you're in. And, and you're to have this mindset and this heart that this is not my permanent home. This is temporary. And then he says, this is all in accordance to his foreknowledge. Now, what do we read about foreknowledge? Well, in Hebrews 11:2, uh, we read, God has not rejected his people whom he, it says, foreknew. 
uh, in Ephesians chapter one, verse five, it says, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Guys, I just love this. What was this saying? What is according to his foreknowledge? Their status as not only the people of God, but also their status as exiles. He is literally saying, in spite of your hostile environment, in spite of the opposition and the struggles you're facing, and they were facing struggles that you and I, uh, for the most part, can't even relate to. He says, in spite of all that, you need to know that you were known by God before the world was created. You were known by God. You were set aside by God. You were adopted by uh, God, and, 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 and you were placed where you're at in accordance with his love for you. Guys, if you're one of these recipients, if you're at this church and, and they're up reading it publicly to these Jesus followers, you know what you're saying? You're like, oh, praise God. Praise God. That brought so much comfort to them. And guys, that should bring so much comfort for us today. What does this mean for us today? You guys, if you're a Jesus follower in this room, you are God's by design. You are God's by his own design. Okay? Oh, he wanted you. Like he wanted you. Guys, you weren't just like uh, this, this package deal, right? Have you ever gotten one of those gift boxes, gift, like gift baskets from someone and you're like, oh my goodness, look at that. And then you see something else and you go, what is this? Why is this in the gift basket? But it's in the gift basket, so it's useful, right? You're, and some of us were like, oh, I'm that. No, you're not. You weren't thrown in. There wasn't a deal with God the Father. And he's like, hey, you're gonna have to take Steve too. If you're gonna go to the cross, you gotta take Steve, right? No, no. Jesus is like, I know Steve's nasty. I know he's messed up. I know he's made mistakes. I know he's gonna continue to make mistakes. But I want Steve. Before the world began, I saw him and I set him aside for something special. He's gonna be mine. Guys, that's you. So you can't sit here and go, well, I don't have purpose. I don't, there's, nothing, there's no plan for my life. I'm not seen, I'm not known, I'm not desired, I'm not wanted. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me with what we read here in scripture? You have been set aside, called. There was a plan for your life before you were even created and, and he's invited you into his family to be used by him. And, and guys, we can argue all we want about how that transpires, but here's what you should just say. Thank you, God. Just thank you. Thank you. However you pulled that off, thank you. Thank you. Guys, the other thing is this. If you're following Jesus, where you're at isn't a mistake. Where you're at isn't a mistake. It isn't purposeless. God hasn't moved on from you. He hasn't said, oh, well, you're here. Now, now good luck. Guys, out of his fatherly love, he has placed you where you are, where you're supposed to be. Sometimes that's really easy, isn't it? When things are going well and, and other, other times it's, it's not. In fact, other times you're like, 
I'm gonna take that verse to task because I think I am in the wrong place right now. In fact, as I was preparing for this, I, I, I was like literally thinking about three different moments in my life where it, in my mind, it was very clear I was not where I was supposed to be. And, and, and in all those situations, in all three of them, I was, I was pursuing Jesus. I was trying to follow him. I, I was thinking about the first moment when I, when I was like, I, I, I don't wanna be here. I shouldn't be here. I'm out. And uh, it was when I was a youth pastor. I was a youth pastor and, uh, and I oversaw the, the middle school and, and high school. And, 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 and I remember that, um, doing that. And, and it, it was tough. It was tough getting my first taste of like full-time ministry, right? And then also like all of a sudden I've got this title of pastor and I never wanted to be one. So I was just like, whoo, this is weird, you know? And it's weird. Like just being a pastor, like it's not a conversation starter. It just really isn't. It shuts down conversations. Like when I get on an airplane and they say, what do you do? And I say, I'm a pastor. Earphones go in. Okay? They're not like, really? Like, wow, like, let's talk about God. Like, no, it's shut down, okay? And so I'm working through all of that. And, and I remember just, I was just struggling. It was my first, first like, job opportunity in that. And, and I remember this high school student just ran up to me. If you're a high school student or a middle school student, I love you. We love you. We're glad that you're here. It's just tough. You're in a confusing stage of life, and it's tough to be in that roller coaster ride with you. That's okay, but we love you. But I remember this high schooler just came up, ran up behind me as a joke, and just kneed me right in my tailbone. And I remember the words in my head that I cut off at the pass. And I remember thinking, I want to physically hurt you. <laughs> like, I want to physically hurt you. And I remember like, Okay, God, I'm pretty sure now I'm disqualified. Like, you're not supposed to think that? Pastor, I, I, I want to hurt him. Like, I don't want to pray for him. I want to hurt him. Um, and, and I just remember like, man, I, I, I do not want to do this. This is the worst. They treat me like trash. They make fun of me. I don't like this. And, and all of that. And, and, and God is just like showing me these verses. And he's like, trust me. Trust me. You're exactly where you're supposed to be. Don't give up on it. Just trust me. And multiple other times in life where I felt that same way. And he's like, and, and in my flesh, I'm like, I'm out, I'm done. And he's like, would you just read scripture and understand and know that if you are trying to follow me, I have placed you exactly where you are and I am doing a work in your life, Steve, that isn't possible outside of you being exactly where you're at. So let me do it. And guys, he's come through in that every single time. Every time. And so guys, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you feel like you're confused or you're not where you're supposed to be and, and all that. But guys, if you're trying to follow Jesus, he has got you exactly where you need to be. 
and he promises to do a work exactly where you're at. And you need to be reminded that, that this isn't like just, okay, we'll put him there. No, it's out of, it's an extension of his fatherly love for you. And then he continues, he says then, he says, sanctified by the spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. You guys, sanctification here by the spirit, it not only speaks to being set aside uh, to be adopted by God, but, but it, it, it's literally speaking to the Spirit's active, daily, moment-by-moment presence and influence in our lives with the very purpose of bringing our lives into alignment with, into obedience to Jesus. And so, so he's, he's literally talking about that, that active working of the Spirit and the Spirit's work in your life. And I love how in verse 2 here, uh, this verse mentions all three persons of the Trinity, doesn't it, it? Like, look at it. Look what it says. It says, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ. So he's literally laying out for us all three persons of the Trinity, one God and three persons and their roles and how they work in, in a unifying way to accomplish a perfect plan and will. And so he's sharing these distinctions, uh, but what we see here is him focusing on the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. Now, what is this sanctifying work? Uh, sanctification is the process of becoming more like God. It's, it's, it's the process of when my life more so starts to take on the very characteristics of God. And, and, and where you really see this is as the Spirit is working in your life daily, and he is. Okay, it's not just, all right, I'm a Jesus follower, let's go, good luck. He's actively, daily, moment by moment, working in your life, and I love it because what he's doing, you guys, is he is focusing on bringing you into obedience to Jesus, which means he is helping free you daily from those sins that you were enslaved to before Jesus. There's a freeness that he is actively working on so that you don't go back there so that you don't go back to that place, so you don't go back to that drug, so you don't go back to that conversation, so you don't go back to that place that you know you're not supposed to be at, so you don't go back to that reaction that you've been uh, demonstrating and all of that. Like, like he is actively at work to help free you from the things that, guys, guess what? We naturally fall back into, right? When you, when, you're, when, when you struggle, when you're depressed, when you're discouraged, when you're anxious, when you're angry, when you're upset, there's certain things that you've done historically and the enemy wants you to go back to those things and the spirit of God is at work in your life daily saying, no, I'm trying to free you from that. And so there's an initial freedom that comes from a relationship with Jesus, but then you experience the act active work of the Holy Spirit daily in your life, moving you forward and bringing about a freedom. And that freedom comes from this obedience to Jesus. Now, when we look at uh, how the Spirit's working and sanctifying uh, us, he is, he's once again speaking to people who are dealing with persecution for their faith. Okay, and, and, and so he's literally talking about how the Holy Spirit's at work, even in the hardships, to bring about God's perfect will. Look at these verses in, uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. It says this, So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. 
For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Eternal. He says in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 10 and 11, it says, For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. Amen? Come on. As soon as I even read the word discipline, you like thought of your mom or your dad. And you're just like, ah. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And then in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, we read, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various kinds of trials. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete Lacking in nothing. You guys, God is at work in the struggle. He is at work in the setbacks. He's at work in the waiting. And not only is he there for you and with you, but he's actually taking and using those 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 things that we would say are painful, that we're trying to avoid, that we don't like, and he's actually taking these things and using them to bring you closer to Jesus so that you can be more like Jesus. Guys, God's purpose for his people is is that, that our lives would be moving towards obedience to Jesus. That's the purpose. That's why it, he says this. That's, that's the goal. That's the heart, right? We read that all throughout scripture. Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. First uh, Thessalonians 4.3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, right? That you become more like him. John 14.15. If you love me, Jesus says, you will keep my commandments. And so the Spirit's at work bringing us, taking us towards that place of, of, of obedience. And, and, and I get it. I, I know that when you hear the word obedience, oftentimes we're like, well, that doesn't sound fun. I don't like that. I don't want that. I want to have fun. Isn't this the fun church? Someone told me that. That's why I'm here. I just want to have fun. Okay, you guys, here's the reality that you need to know that culture's lying to you about. You cannot have a pure, freeing enjoyment without holiness. You guys, the greatest like shame uh, or sham that's out there is that God just wants to make you happy all the time. You guys, he is consumed and the spirit of God is at work in you to take you to this place of holiness because he knows that it's when you're holy that you're happy. You guys, happiness is a byproduct of holiness. Holiness isn't a byproduct of happiness. Happiness, when I'm just happy, I just want more happiness, right? 
But when I'm holy, I find myself, and, and when I'm aligned with God's will with my life, when I'm following him, when I'm pursuing him, that's, you guys, when there's peace. That's when this scripture just speaks to me, and it aligns, and it makes sense, because I'm actually walking in it. And that's what he's called us to. And then he even reminds us, he talks about, uh, what does he say there? The sprinkling uh, of his blood, right? And, and that was always, the sprinkling of Christ's blood was always the reminder of the sacrifice that's been made, amen? There was the, the reminder that, that blood was spilled that on, on your and my behalf. And, and what I love about this active sprinkling that happens, it, it, it's, it's literally the, it's speaking figuratively there of how daily in our lives we experience forgiveness because of the cross. So it wasn't just one moment where I experienced forgiveness in my life, which is powerful when, when you give your life to Jesus and you experience forgiveness for the first time. Oh, but what's so amazing is the blood of Christ is actively at work every day because guys, the weight of obedience is too much for us. It just is, you can't be perfect. We struggle, we fall, we make mistakes. And I'm so thankful that the blood of Christ is actively at work every day in my life, reminding me that when I fall, when I make a mistake, there is forgiveness already available. And so guys, when you hear obedience, and, and I get it, it's like, man, how do I measure up, right? How do, I, how do I just be good enough? Jesus took care of your good enough on the cross. And so now you walk in light of forgiveness. And it wasn't just a moment when you prayed a prayer. It's a daily thing that you get to live with. That whenever you make a mistake, whenever you fall, and guys, we're, we're all gonna do that. Forgiveness is already there. It's available. Peter closes the intro with, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. He says, I pray that you would experience this multiplied daily in your life. And so guys, as, as, we, as we shut down our time together this morning, God's plan is not for you to just fall in love with this life and just get as comfortable as you can. And, and, and guess what? I wanna be comfortable, don't you? Like, I don't know how to answer that. Do I say it? Do I be honest? Yeah. Yeah. We just bought a new couch. Guys, it's life-changing. I mean, I sat in it and I went, God, you're amazing. Whoever handcrafted or whoever did it, like you worked in their life for sure. Right? And I wasn't like, oh, why do I have a comfortable couch? Like, no, like I find myself, and the older I get, the more comfort-based decisions I'm making. I just am right? Because my body's just not responding like it used to. And so a lot of decisions are made out of comfort. But what he's asking us to do is to not spiritually approach this life with that. It's to understand and know that this is temporary. This isn't permanent. And, and, and so as you're here, be prepared, be ready. There's gonna be seasons where, yeah, life is fantastic. It's great. There's transformation. We're gonna do baptisms in a minute. It's gonna be one of those moments where we're just excited, blown away by what God's doing. But guys, there's also other times 
when you go to work on Monday, when you get up and you gotta deal with that person, that situation, that pain, and maybe it's even physical, and, and you just go, man, I am dealing with this. This is not fun. I don't like this. Why is this part of my journey? And that's when you be, need to be reminded that God is at work. This is temporary. He's doing something greater, and he's actually, out of extension of his love, allowing something to happen for the, for the, for the literally for his best work, his perfect work to be done in your life. So the question is, can we, can we embrace that? Can we embrace that? Can we respond in that? And guys, that's our challenge. Okay, so I wanna invite you on this journey as we go through 1 Peter. And he talks about these things that are gonna be real and relevant and connect to the struggle and the battles that we're all facing. Okay, but God's there. He meets you there. You are not an accident. He's chosen you. He set you aside. And he said, hey, you're gonna be an exile 2022. That's where you're at in Eugene, Springfield, or Lane County, or online, wherever you're watching. That's where I've called you and placed you. Follow me. Amen.